Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just got off the phone. I'm not going to give away my whole article, but I'm going to have it up on Sportsology. Probably tomorrow because I'm lazy. It's the summertime. Um, but I spoke to a guy named Murray Cook who's in charge of uh, – all the neutral site games for Major League Baseball. He's the construction guy. He goes and he checks out the field. He makes sure if they build, need to build things, they build things. You know, they've done different, you know, like that field of Fort Bragg, they built that field, you know, as an example, before they played that game there. So they had to do a lot of work there. Uh, even going to other places, there's little things that, you know, they have to do to, to figure it out. And so in conversation, you know, when I asked, you know, why are they doing it? One of the answers was, hey, because, you know, the NHL and and the NFL are doing it. And and they were the two that he uh, that he brought up. And and so that was interesting to me. I, I took it as, you know, as a kid, I would read about the, you know, Major League Baseball barnstorming. And, and they do some of that, but we don't get to see a lot of it. We don't hear a lot of it. I mean, they go over to Tokyo. They'll have an all-star team. You'll see some highlights. But they used to have, like, you know, 20, 30 games of barnstorming back in the day after a season or before a season began and hit a lot of different places. And, you know, one of the things that he said when they went to play in uh, in Japan, and this is the one thing that always amazed me, and, and I'm sure Pete read about it in the paper. No, I'm kidding, Pete. Um, <laughs> uh, but this is what always amazed me was that how people in Japan knew about Babe Ruth before he came over there, you know, because there, there was limited means of knowing about a guy like that, you know, was it, was it wire service? Was it a little bit of radio or something in, in the movies? Would it be like a movie tone thing? Did they have that in Japan? I don't know. But he said when he went into one of those places, they had a plaque that, hey, Babe Ruth played here. And, and that was an, you know, a big deal for them. And so the one thing that we take for granted, and you, you don't take it for granted, Mike, because you're in Buffalo, you don't have Major League Baseball in your city. So, not having Major League Baseball in your city, it's kind of nice when they go to a place like Williamsport and and some of the locals can actually, you know, see some Major League Baseball players. Yeah, and I mean, the Pete uh, can attest to this because he was in Buffalo last week. The excitement that Buffalo is having right now with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's like Steven Strasburg came to town a few years ago when I think he was on an injury rehab and, you know, the Coca-Cola field sold out. Barry Bonds was back here for, uh, was here for, uh, I think it was, it wasn't a spring training game, but it was a game just before the regular right. season. So, you know, Buffalo, Buffalo, Buffalo gets that. And I, and I know that when we talked before the show, Russ, that we were talking about the influence that the NHL's outdoor games and the third site games were having on yeah. on baseball. And I mean, Pete, I think this is a good thing. I think it's, you know, it, I mean, but it's not, you know, this is not something new because as Russ said, you know, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, they barn they went on tours of Japan in the 30s after this after the the World Series they they took a, took a boat over to Japan and played a series of games over there and that's why 
uh, and as Bob Costas related in Ken Burns' baseball uh, series, you know, Japanese soldiers during World War II were charging machine gun nests and yelling, screw Babe Ruth, because yes. they knew it would piss off the American soldiers. Exactly. And I remember what it was like uh, opening the schedule in uh, Tokyo uh, in the fall of 2000 when the Nashville Predators were playing the role of the Washington Generals to the Pittsburgh Penguins, Harlem Globetrotters. And that's kind of the way the whole thing was portrayed. And uh, the first goal scored in that uh, Saitama Super Arena was scored by a guy who just became a grandfather, Cliff Ronick, uh, a couple of days ago, became a grandpa. So, yeah, so do you want the, the name of the new St. Louis Blues radio analyst? Yes. He is a St. Louis native. Joe Vitale will be joining Chris Kerber this year. Oh, okay. Taking over after 18 years of the Kerber and Chase show on St. Louis Blues Radio. Wow. Joe Vitale. Nice. Now, okay, am I wrong? Um, Was it Carter Hutton was doing color or doing, like, (laughs) sideline radio uh, sideline uh, uh um, spots when he was the backup goalie was it was it for st louis or was it for nashville well it started it started here with us uh he would put the headset on in the third period and usually spend one segment uh, after the first commercial timeout with terry crisp and myself talking about what's going on uh, chris mason who's now doing the television color did that as well uh pecky even did it a few times and dan ellis also did it but I'd have to say that Carter Hutton probably carved out the best niche for himself there. And uh, that's something that I'm sure Marty Baron could have done in Buffalo <laughs> without any question. Yes, but but the other people have to talk. <laughs> yeah, I understand. I understand. And Marty is high velocity, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Marty's yeah. a good guy. I got to know him really well in Philly. The last thing I was just going to say about the, uh, the baseball neutral site thing is, but now they're doing it in season, right? These games count. Yes. So that's, you know, that's the difference, the nuance. And next year when they play in London, they can give me what the attendance will be at. Like what, what, even even now they don't know exactly how the field is going to be attendance wise. They don't know this, the the number, they know it's over 50,000, but he, you know, it could, it's still in flux and they've actually, I'm going to tell you this, and this, this is going to blow your mind, and that's it. You're going to rest. You're going to have to go read me. Okay. They, they have been looking at London since 2012. They're not so doing the Jacksonville it. Jaguars. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're, they're not doing it at Wembley, though, are they? Or, or are they? No, they're doing it at an Olympic Stadium just outside oh. out of London. Okay. Right. All right. Russ, that's is there it. somebody sleeping on the couch behind you? Yes, uh, Jordan. She's a retired racing greyhound. And so these days, that's you know that's about as active as she now, gets. That's that's Jordan's commentary for every webcast. She's bored to tears. Okay. Uh, hello, hockey world. Today is Wednesday, August fifteenth, twenty eighteen. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. And as I said earlier, we are joined right now by uh, Pete Weber, the uh, play-by-play announcer for the Nashville Predators. And uh, we'll start with the Predators and the signing yesterday, Pete. Um, it's, I can reveal now when we were talking earlier in the year that I, when I 
inquired regarding the potential of Ryan Ellis making it to market next July. You 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 had said uh, that you know Ellis was going to get signed, and he did get signed last uh, yesterday for eight years at uh, fifty million dollars, six point two five million AAV. Uh, no, no movement, no, no trade protection on that. So there's some speculation that, you know, maybe that means he gets traded after a year. But I, I think that, uh, you know, he's he's well respected and well liked by the National Predators, and this is a pretty good deal for a pretty good defenseman. Very good deal, I think. And there's going to be several more defensemen in Nashville. They're going to have to be signed over the course of the next few years as well. Uh, Matthias Ekholm still has a longer term to go. Roman Yossi will be coming up shortly. And uh, I'm happy that Ryan felt the way he did as he spoke. And he'll have a media veil here tomorrow uh, mm -hmm. talking about how he wanted to uh, keep things going as long as he could. So uh, it wasn't necessarily, I don't think you can call that average annual value a home team discount, no, but it certainly no. is very reasonable. Yeah, it's reasonable. I, I pointed out yesterday, Pete, that Ellis averages like 212 on the power play and Subban is yeah. like well over three minutes. I think at some point in the next three years, three, four years, that's going to change because Ellis has the best shot on the team. I mean, yes. and and I get it that you have Subban and he's the top guy, but I think at some point Ellis will become the top guy. And I was just listening to Ryan's junior coach on Sirius XM an hour or so ago, Bob Bugner. And uh, from my association with Bob, I'm glad that Bob's shot was not inherited by Ryan. <laughs> yeah, no question. And, and Ellis was a great kid too. Like I, I remember him in juniors and at the draft in Montreal, he was just walking around, yeah. around with kids. Like he's a, he's a pretty happy go lucky guy. The problem here is again, and I always say this, Jeff Kielty is too good at his job. So now David Poyle has to try and sign all these defensemen that they've got. Dante Fabro is going to be an interesting case going yes. forward. And I would think that probably, and the team would probably prefer that that all come to a head next year right? Uh, after his junior season. Yeah, I mean, I, we, we talked about that yesterday with, with Kevin Allen at USA Today, Pete, and the, and the thing you mean that, the football writer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amongst, he's a jack of all <laughs> trades. I, I mean, and, and the, thing, the thing is, and you, of course you have to bring it up because, because it happened to Nashville. Yeah. It has the potential – to be another Jimmy VC situation if he doesn't get signed after his junior year. If he says, I'm going to finish out my, my college career at BU, then, then you start worrying about him going to August 15th the following year and becoming an unrestricted free agent. So that has to be a concern for David Poyle. Yeah, and he certainly has seemed when he's been here for the uh, off-season prospect camps more than interested in being here. Uh, and I know for a while he had, what, his uh, two sisters playing about – 40 miles away from here, playing mm -hmm. soccer at uh, Austin P University. So he likes the whole idea of this, and I'm also glad he found out that it's not a 20-minute drive uh, because if it is, he'll have to enroll in the NASCAR driver school <laughs> and able to cut the, the time down to that effect. Now, but, but the ahead, thing there, Pete, is if, let's just say, Roman Yossi gets re-signed, right. yeah. he might look at, at Nashville and say, that top four is locked up for a while now. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know you're thinking of yourself as a at least a top four guy. Is this what you want? And that, that's a fair point. Yeah, we've seen that all, in all the sports, right? And we, we certainly have seen it. I remember uh, Sean Casey, for example, even talking about this. An MLB network before the recent Hall of Fame induction is talking about, there's Jim Tomey. They're not going to be able to use me. And yeah. lo and behold, he became a Cincinnati Red shortly thereafter. 
Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, Yossi, I, since Tavares got signed by the Leafs, I think Roman Yossi inherited the 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 the, the, the title of the best bang for buck player in the NHL because he's got two more years this year, next year at $4 million. And he's, he's a Norris trophy level defenseman. So yes, now the, the thing is that, and you know, again, there might be some willingness on, on his part because he wants to stay in Nashville to take a little bit of a haircut. But when you have PK Subban making $9 million, you're probably, if you're Roman, Roman Yossi, you're probably going to want to make, close to what P.K. Subban is, and that's where the trouble starts. Well, yeah, that's where the trouble starts. Thus, we have a lot more outdoor games, and the salary cap goes up, maybe not exponentially, but generously, and uh, allows for that sort of thing to happen. Well, I mean, we all look at the savings. Where could the savings come from? And it could come in net, but yes. that's, you know, that's – but again, if, if Pecorine were to, were to return to, you know, Vesna form – and that would cause a bigger problem. But yes. if it doesn't, then they could cut that salary if if everybody thinks Jonas Enroth is ready to be that guy. I don't know. UC Saros. UC Saros, sorry. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if they look at it that way, Pete. You could probably tell us better from your perspective. I think they are comfortable with the idea of UC being the eventual successor. I don't know what their uh, unofficial timeline would be for that. Right. Right. Yeah. The only other, and then we'll get off the predators and talk about a few other things. Um, the only criticism, and I said from the outside looking in, there were, you know, a player like Kyle Turris who came in that that massive deal mm -hmm. last year. I know that there was a little bit of a disappointment, at least from people who saw him play and have a, a big effect when he was with Ottawa on how he played in in Nashville. And I don't know if that was injury or just, you know, settling in situation, but there are some people who think that, you know, if Yossi is going to be signed that a, a forward contract like a tourist or somebody of that nature might have to be moved out is what, what do you think of, what, what, what was your opinion of tourists and how he settled in last year? Well, number one, from the time he got into a predator's uniform, he ignited the uh, productivity uh, of Kevin Fiala. Fiala did not score a goal until the tourist got here and became his pivot. Uh, the problem I think that people had with Kyle Turris was the lack of productivity in the postseason. Right. Uh, no, no problem whatsoever the regular season, but what do we all remember better than the playoff? I can't think of anything else. So, and to the best of my knowledge, and nothing was said after a breakup day that Kyle had suffered any injury. So we'll just have to wait and see what comes up uh, beginning September 12th with training camp here. Yep. Yeah, I, I know for a fact he struggled offensively because I drafted him in my fantasy hockey game. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Who else did you take off Nashville? Uh, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson. Yep. I mean, you know, I, I, lo I loaded up. I thought they were going to the cup final. So, uh, yeah, you know. You weren't the only one. Yes. Um, some bad news from, from Edmonton, uh, Andres Sakara, who yeah. represents, I would say they're probably their best offensive defenseman who has had, I believe his last injury, uh, from a couple of years ago was a torn ACL. Now in, in, uh, summer training, he tore his Achilles, had it surgically repaired yesterday. They're saying he's out indefinitely, but we know from Eric Carlson and other players who have had Achilles injuries that he could be out for the season. And Pete, the, the situation with Edmonton is we know that their defense is challenged. We know Oscar Clefbaum was injured last year and did not play yes. well. 
Adam Larson was 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 down from what he did a couple years ago, and Darnell Nurse, who I think has been was their most improved defenseman yesterday last year, a, a really good young, big, fast defenseman. He is a restricted free agent. I I would think that this gives him a little more leverage to uh, ask for a little more money. Yeah, and about uh, 20 years ago, there was another Achilles tendon injury that I'll never forget, and I can't remember how it was if they if the Ducks or the Jets rather flew him to Lourdes for a quick cure, and that was Tamu Solani. I can't believe he still had the explosiveness when yeah. he came back, and he wasn't out that long. So it's, every patient is going to be different in this. And I know our technology has Im improved by leaps and by bounds, and we can take bigger leaps and bigger bounds off our Achilles now with what they have learned. So I'm hoping for their sake that this is not a long-term situation, maybe more along the lines of what the Predators had to wait for knee repair for Ryan Ellis, about whom we were speaking earlier, when he came back around Christmas time this season. Yeah, I, I mean, I mentioned it in an article that I wrote that I wrote on on Hockey Buzz yesterday regarding the Ellis contract and the effect it might have on some other some other contracts, some other players. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, he, he's one more. He's one more of that 2019 defensive free agent class that drops off the the radar. And now, if you look at it, Pete, the the top four list. I mean, Eric Carlson is the number one. He's going to get the biggest money. He couldn't mm -hmm. get as much as Dowdy does unless he resigns before next July. And then after that, it's Jake Gardner, uh, Tyler Myers, and Jay Bomeister. And yep. from the Toronto perspective, Jake Gardner has scored over 40 and then over 50 points last year. And with Tavares coming to Toronto, I think he's probably going to score 50 again. I don't see him getting less than six and a half to seven million dollars as a free agent. And I think a lot of other defensemen who are out in the market, like Nate Schmidt is another one, are going to get paid big time because Ryan Ellis got paid big time. Right, right. And that, you know, this is this is essentially a real estate game. Yeah, we're doing comps all the time, mm -hmm. comparing the age, stats, and all of that. And Position. then trying to put it within the context of what a team asks a guy to do. I mean, if we were doing a lot of this heavily when he was still a devil with Scott Niedermeyer, mm -hmm. he would have been horribly underpaid. Well, right. that, that did get rectified later on. So... Uh, the, the real estate moguls among us, I guess, will have to be the ones to figure all of this out. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it, that, it, it definitely becomes a, uh, a hard thing because you're right, guys play different roles on different teams. And, you know, if Mike mentioned all those other guys, I would take Ryan Ellis over all those other guys based on the shot. And, yeah. you know, he is a really good defender too. But, you know, the thing about Sakara is even if he comes back, let's say January, which right. I think rosy that's very rosy but let's yeah. say he does the void that they have now like you know names being bandied about is like brandon davidson coming back in it this is a team that needs to get off to a good start because i'm not sure they're even a playoff team but without without him it's going to be an uphill battle right out of the gate well very Russ, big one th this is the thing i'm concerned about based on the track record of the edmonton oilers and I don't think this is a direction they should go down, but they did take Evan Bouchard 10th no, overall. Do it. Uh, well, I mean, they've done it before. But I think they saw in the summer showcase he's not ready. 
Okay. Well, I mean, I hope I hope for their sake that they exercise some patience because we do think he's a very talented young defenseman. But you know, short of them going out and signing a free agent like a Kevin Bieksa or a Toby Enstrom or somebody of that nature, um, you know, it's I mean, they're they're sort of caught between a rock and a hard place. I mean, I, you know, this is a serious injury to their most expensive defense. I mean, he's making five and a half million dollars. He's their most pricey defenseman. And now in this new contract that he's had, he's going to probably miss two complete years or almost two complete years. Yeah. I didn't like the deal when they made it, but I, I get that they needed guys. And so they, they went with it. it. It's, it's probably turned out worse than I thought it would. I, because mm -hmm. I just thought it might not be great signing. Now it's really turned out to be a bad one, but they, you know, this is a team that can't catch a break either for all the, maneuvering that they've tried to do i again cam talbot's the one that like, it's going to keep suffering here because right. he's the guy that's not going to have the the guys that you would like in front of him he's the one that's really going to have to adjust so we'll see we'll have to go back and look at his alabama huntsville defense to see if it was any more accomplished well all right so pete you brought that up and and i'm working on a college hockey book and i am highlighting cam talbot and that career in that book so good it's funny that you mentioned that. And he played with what a two of uh, uh, two of the Jeffrey on boys. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Up. I didn't get into the lineup stuff. I just got into the fact that he was their goalie. And and when I had interviewed him a while back with the Rangers, yep. he wasn't even on scouts radar for a long time. And no, yeah, no. I mean, he played in the very same arena where the Predators put their uniforms on for the first time and played their first preseason game. And Patrick. That. And Patrick Cote got to be very well familiar with Peter Worrell one night down there. That was a three-ring circus, I got to tell you. September 19, 1998. Yes, I was I was going to make a reference about Bob Boudner when you said you hoped that he didn't inherit uh, his uh, – Ryan Ellis didn't inherit his shot from Bob Boudner. Yeah. Well, Bob Boudner's best shot was his right cross to somebody's jaw. Yeah, yeah particularly that night with the uh, Gar Snow, Matthew Barnaby. Oh, yes. Uh, Bruhaha in the odd. And uh, – I don't know if you recall, Mike, but when I called Bob Bugner's first NHL goal, I said, stop the game. Bob Bugner has just scored his first NHL goal. <laughs> and then I got old video and I found out that Mike Milbury really was the guy for whom we should have calculated hang time on the shot from the point. Hang time from the shot at the point. I like that. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll, go, I'll go like this. I remember when um, Dylan McElrath was drafted and people were like, Oh my God, he's got a great shot. And I kept trying to tell people, yeah, but getting that shot off in a game is tremendously hard. And then of course he, <laughs> in his like second, third, fourth game with the Rangers, he played one game the one year, two games the other year, he didn't score. And then he gets a goal and then he gets another goal. And I remember telling people, you're probably not going to see too many more goals, if any others out of him in his career. And he ended up with three goals in his, in his career. And that's the same kind of thing. It's like, some of these big guys have great shots, but the windup and and the opportunity is usually never there. Yes, the guys who had the the guys who had the best shots in Buffalo back in the seventies. Jerry Korab had a great. Oh shot. yeah. So did so did Jocelyn Gabermont. Yes, yes, he had a great one. Now one night, uh, I was calling the L.A. Kings before I left briefly, and uh, I had J.P. Kelly, a young oh. man, only six one, two hundred fifteen pounds, and one night he must have missed seven premium chances in one game didn't even end up with a shot on goal yeah and i i had said that we could take him down to santa monica pier tonight 
and I believe he would miss the ocean trying to shoot the puck. <laughs> Very next game, John Paul Kelly, hat trick against the New York Islanders. Wow. There you go. There you go. It's probably Chico Russian goal. Um, now, why are you no. rubbing Chico like that? <laughs> well, no, I'm based on the time, based on uh, the era we're talking about. Because that was, I think that was probably pre Billy Smith. Because Billy Smith, 8182. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. There, that that was Billy Smith. Billy Smith might have been the guy, Mark. Rolly Melanson. Um, okay. Now, well, wanted to do a, sort of a little overview of the of the Central Division because I think you know, I mean, yeah. right now, Pete, the you know, the Predators. I think it's it's gonna be it's probably gonna be them and the Winnipeg Jets one two in 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 that division fighting for first place. And you know, Winnipeg, they they they've got some. You know, we've chronicled it with Pete Tessier, uh, who covers the Jets mm-hmm. for Hockey Buzz. Um, you know, they're going to have some you know, they're going to have some difficulty over the next year or so with Kyle Connor coming up on a new deal. Same with with Blake Wheeler. Same with Patrick Line. Uh, they have a Truba situation that is unresolved. Um, but right now, as of right now, the only major loss they they had was the 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 departure of Paul Stastny. Right. This is. I mean, this appears to be a team that will, again, give Nashville all the competition that they want. Yeah, and Nikolai Ehlers, Ehlers keeps getting better and better. Yeah, uh, Watching him, I mean, the guy the guy can fly, and I think his hands have caught up with his feet, if you will. Uh, so I've been able to enjoy watching that. But I think there's another team that could possibly – they were the best story, I think, in hockey last year if we didn't have Vegas, and that was the Avalanche. Yes, and uh, the Avalanche. Yes, we know they have a number one line. They have changed a bit in goal now. Uh, I'm anticipating a German in goal rather than a Russian most of the season, uh, and uh, how they work with the defense behind all of that. And I know that the Capitals are very grateful for the uh, buyout of Brooks Orpik, <laughs> so he could go back and still be making the same money he was due to make and uh, rejoin the Stanley Cup winners. Uh, and we, and here's the wild card in all of this. I'm pretty certain, and I'm sure you guys are too, that Carlson's going to get dealt from Ottawa. Does he go to a central division team? In which case, all that we say now is moot. Well, I, the, the, the funny thing is, is that the, the, the specter hanging over the senators is the fact that Colorado owns Yes. Ottawa's first round pick from the Matt Duchesne deal, and the also the deal that it, you know, uh, that ended up with Sam Gerrard going to uh, Colorado, right. and the possibility of Colorado trading that first round pick to Ottawa for Carlson, but I can't see them doing that because if if it's going to be strictly a rental, because a, a potential pick that is you know, in the top five is a top five is a hefty price to pay, even for somebody like Garrett Carlson in a, in a short term deal. Is it ever? Is it ever? And that's, uh, I mean, but again, there are so that that is, I think, the wild card for all of us. Yeah. Trying to figure out uh, favorites and the races coming in the divisions, because there, I would say that if we want to make sure money, it was probably two dollars for two dollars. If you want to go to the the window in Vegas and and call our friend Dan Duva out there, I think the <laughs> the, the prop bet is going to be no. Eric Carlson does not start the year with the Sens. Yeah, I mean we're we're. I mean, time's running out on that. It is no question. Yeah, but I, it, 
it doesn't it doesn't become real until training camp. If if he steps on the ice in training camp, then all the stuff that has sort of been in a lull for the last month and a half or so, it will all of a sudden you know the questions, the the facing the media, it becomes real again, and then it becomes a, a, a complete sideshow, which is normal for Ottawa. Well, just one thing about the. <laughs> I was gonna yeah, say, I was gonna say, look, I I really do like Colorado, and I think uh, a healthier Tyson. Joe's, who already had 12 goals last year, will do better. And and I think there's a lot to like there. But I think the team that's getting left out in this is the Minnesota Wild yep. because they did have 101 points. And I think if you would have quizzed me, I would never have said they had 101 points. But, you know, Parisi came back. He had 15 goals. He looked more the guy he was, but he didn't get to really have an impact on the regular season. Right, right, like right. getting Zach Parisi back is massive for them for the regular season. And I think guys like Eric Sinek and – I think Fenton's done a good job of keeping the guys there, knowing that they had cap problems. And I think they could actually surprise all those teams because I think they're due for a big year. And I think this could be their year. And they could have the magic of Devin Dubnik again, yeah. like yeah. from a couple of years ago. He's more yeah. than capable of that. Yeah. Well, if, let me just, let, quickly just go back to the Avs for one second and say that, you know, the one criticism I've had of them over the last few years was their defense. Their defense is a lot better now. They added Ian Cole. Uh, Zadorov is coming into his own. He's a big, tough, mean defenseman. And Gerard in, the, in that deal, um, you know, he's a, he's a little water bug. He's fast. He's uh, gifted offensively. So, you know, that that the concerns on their defense have 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 lessened con considerably. But with Minnesota, and this this is the thing. I was even, hold on before you even say. Let me tell you their top three lines. If if they go the way you think they'll go, you know, you've got Zucker, Stahl, Granlin, Parise, Koivu. Coyle, Niederreiter, yeah. Erickson Eck, and put Luke Cunning in because he'll be healthy now. Right. That's a pretty solid top nine. Yes, it is. And it not is. too many teams have that. No. It is. But I was underwhelmed by their additions in free agency. And then again, they don't have a lot of cap space, but you know, Matt Reed, JT Brown, Matt Hendricks. It's like, you yeah, know, most I mean, they got guys, they got role players. They got guys who get penalty kill. They got those kinds of guys. But if you look at the main guts of it, Defensively, you know, if Suter is okay, you got Suter, Dumba, Brodine, Spurgeon. Like that's a really good top four. They yep. and Dubnik and Net, they have enough. They do if they stay healthy. They do. Well, that that was the surprising thing, Pete. The report came out last week that Suter will be ready for training camp. When there were a yes. lot, there was a, there was a lot of speculation that he was not going to be ready until maybe November or early December. So him coming back early. I mean, I was saying that, you know, they, they're they very, very tight up against the cap. And after signing Matt Dumba, they don't have a lot of room. And there's a lot of, been some speculation that they might move out a guy like a Jared Spurgeon to, to create a little space. But their top four is pretty good if they do keep them and if they can manufacture enough room to have some flexibility. I would be surprised if they did deal Jared Spurgeon simply yeah. because I like, I like that top four, as you guys have put it, very, very well. Uh, and, uh, you know, how, a year ago, weren't we all thinking, or actually a little bit more than a year ago now, that uh, Zucker was for sure gone to Vegas? I wasn't, but the other guys were. Everybody, yeah. everybody was. They, they can't get rid of this guy. Yeah, because he yeah. was from Vegas, and they figured that, okay, of course he, he's going to go to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. The team, that, the team that made the biggest splash in the division, and I don't know 
how much better they are after the big splashes is the St. Louis Blues. Now, yeah. Ryan O'Reilly was the number two in Buffalo behind Eichel. He, you know, the, the situation with him in Buffalo is well chronicled. He basically, I think, wanted out of here because the team was going nowhere. And it was a massive deal. They get O'Reilly. They sign Tyler Bozak. Uh, in free agency as a, as a, as a third line guy, they bring in David Perano who had a really good year with Vegas, but Pete, my concern, and it continues to be the, again, like Colorado with their defense, St. Louis, it's the goaltending it's Jake Allen. And if Jake yeah. Allen, it continues to be Jake Allen. They're going nowhere. Yeah. Uh, he, he should have to show me a lot as well. Uh, Mike, uh, and the other concern I have in St. Louis, Will Alex Petrangelo have enough sleep entering the season after his wife gave birth to triplets a few weeks ago? <laughs> oh. That could that could be a real a real challenge for them. But yeah, Jake Allen, and how about that? It was two years ago. They had to give him a sabbatical to get his head clear to yeah. come back and ten goal. They were fortunate at that point in time to have Carter Hutton. Well, obviously, he's a Buffalo Saber now. So I that's going to be a very intriguing adjustment to watch. And, uh, I'm sorry, Pete. No, no. And the other thing about St. Louis, had, I think, we mentioned Paul Stastny, had they held on to him, I think the Predators would have paid Paul Stastny in the playoffs rather than the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah. Now, now th this is in the name. I was going to say, for, for St. Louis's sake, like if roster resource was anywhere close to right, like you have Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, David Perron, Maroon, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Fabry, Bozak, Steen. That's really solid. But then listen to this fourth line. If this actually happened, it would be Barbashev, Robert Thomas, and Dmitry Jaskin. You know what? I got to tell you, for those four lines, they would have the best four lines in the in the division if Robert Thomas is ready to play at the NHL level, which I don't know if he is, but he's a yeah. player. I, I would be surprised if Thomas makes it over a guy like they they like Nikita Sashnikov, who they brought in from the from the mm -hmm. leagues. He's got, but he could. I mean, he is a really he is really talented. You know, no, I'm I'm saying I think he's a top nine talent. And why why uh, you know put him on the fourth line and uh, put him in sort of an energy role? No, the the, Pete, the, the one thing. Actually, he can, he can play it. I, I'm not saying that, but the, the one and and I we've asked Kevin about this on on a previous show, and I don't get it because the rumors continue to perpetuate regarding, you know, St. Louis potentially trading Colton Pareko, and I've watched Pareko play over the last couple of years. I think it's wishful thinking from the team from teams that need defensive help. I mean, I know Peter Angelo is probably looking for a big raise because he had his triplets, um, and he and his contract is up after next after next season, and he's probably looking to probably hit, um, you know, Dowdy Carlson that type of money. But Pareko is young, he's big, he's talented, and he's only making five and a half million dollars. It doesn't make any sense that they would be shopping him. Doesn't to me either. Okay, good. Yeah, none of these defensemen go anywhere, Mike. That's what we're learning now. It's they don't go anywhere. There's a lot of talk because a lot of times they have to wait until the last second to sign these guys to fit them under the cap. But these defensemen that we're, we're talking about, they don't go anywhere. And if you want to know proof of them not going anywhere, just ask your Toronto Maple Leafs because they can't get one. Yep. I think they'll get one eventually during during the season, but it's going to cost them a lot to get that person, not to get that player. Now, the, the team that, I mean, the team that dominated the division for years, uh, the Chicago Blackhawks. I mean, it, they, they really can't make a full rebuild or a full transition because they've got those two 
you know, cornerstone anchors in terms of salary with Jonathan Taves and, and Patrick Kane. And I was struck, Pete, by the fact that when NHL Network put out their top 20 centers, mm -hmm. Jonathan Taves was not on the list. I don't think he's dropped off that much, but he has dropped off in the last year or so. Do you see a bounce back year from the, from the Blackhawks? I can see a bounce back year for Jonathan Taves. I'm still wondering about their uh, defensemen who are also on those long-term deals. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, that probably is what has had them bogged down, tied up, unable to make the moves they would otherwise like to be able to make. Mm -hmm. But that's that's they're paying, if you will, the price for having won the three Stanley Cups in six years right now. Yeah, I mean, Russ, I mean, I, 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 I'm not convinced right now. I mean, we, we've talked on previous shows about about Corey Crawford and his health. And if he's not healthy, then you're then yes. you're relying on Cam Ward and Anton Forsberg. And I think we all know that Anton Forsberg can't handle a number one or maybe I don't know, even heavy work. I don't I don't I'm not I've never been convinced he's anything more than an average goaltender. So, I mean, what are your feelings on the Blackhawks? I think the Blackhawks are, again, like I'll go back to that analogy, that old um, Angels team where they had everybody who was sort of aging on it and they, they had one last run on them and they made it. Like it's either that or nothing. Like that's, you know, I don't know who Doug DeSensei is on the Blackhawks, but, you know, we'll figure out that when the season starts. But Rod Carew, Reggie Jackson, Don Baylor. I mean, we can keep going. Bobby Gritch. Yeah. Bobby Gritch. And we all like Bobby Gritch. You know, that's where they're at. Like, it's either all going to click and, and they're going to get there again or it's just going to be ugly again. And they're not, you know, they're, they're closer for it to be ugly than for getting there. But, again, I think everything is based on Corey Crawford's health now. If, if he yep. doesn't start the season, if Cam Ward's the starting goalie, no offense to Cam, but, you know, like you said, him and Forsberg, it's just not enough to get it done. Yeah, Cam Ward was great 12 years ago. Yes. So we're, we're talking about the possibility of the Blackhawks trying to approach in 2019, the 1967 Leafs. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. Well, Al, let's, is Alan Stanley still playing or um, no? Um, no Dad, when Punch brought him in as a coach in Buffalo. Oh, God. <laughs> well, yeah. Wait, who, who didn't he, he brought in Floyd Smith. He brought yep. he brought in Dick Duff. He brought in like almost everybody who wasn't dead from the '67 Leafs. If he you know he brought in Tim Horton. Yep. Um, then when he went back to the Leafs, he brought back Carl Brewer of all people. <laughs> yes, in in 1978 or yes. 1980, no 81 or 82. It was like you know a 40 year old Carl Brewer. I remember him getting his helmet knocked off in a game, and it had a gash over his bald head, and everybody was like, you know, what is this old dude doing on the ice? Um, for face-offs in the attacking zone, I once saw him lined up by the center red line. <laughs> Not I think surprising. I did that in the media game, and, and even even the media <laughs> game ref was like, you got to line up for real. I'm like, dude, we're playing a, a stupid game. Just drop the puck. I'm not yeah. even face off who cares where i am seriously i remember this guy busted my chops like twice in like a, a media game or or just like a you know a beer league game and i was like come on man two minutes for delay a game yeah. uh the dallas stars now they have a situation with tyler sagan that will probably play out out throughout the year about them getting them locked up on a long-term deal yes. um you know the ben bishop injury late in the season hurt them um they they 
supposedly were in on Eric Carlson, but that didn't come to fruition. Their may, you know, their major addition on defense was Roman Polak, and I, I I love Roman Polak as a tough defenseman, but you know he's mostly a bottom pairing option for them. They, other than bringing back Valerie Nakushkin, yeah, they really didn't do much, and I I think that there's you know, and I know that they have a new coach, but I think there's a lot of talent there, but I just don't know whether they can play a game that is conducive to making the playoffs in that division. And the new coach is a guy from college hockey, albeit Jim Montgomery, a lot of pro experience uh, as a player. But uh, how is what is he going to put together out of that mix? Uh, we know he has a highly talented offensive defenseman in Klingberg. Uh, what else can he produce from that? And will Nachushkin finally come through and realize what we thought might happen with him after his rookie year. And and that was uh, great promise, but we've not seen anything really since. And obviously he went to the KHL for a bit. Yeah, Russ, I, do they, do yeah. they think, do they think Heiskanen is close to being ready or they're not? I think Jim Neal doesn't want to rush him in there. And, and I do think they think he's very close, but I, I think they're going to wait another year. And I, I think that's what I would do too. I mean, he could really be, he's oh, he's close to being superstar caliber. And so, you don't really want to rush that. I, I would sort of wait. But if you look at them, I mean, look, I mean, they have a lot of offensive pieces. And I just yeah. – I, I think they're, they're – you know, if Ben Bishop's healthy, which, you know, we know yeah. is an if, they have a lot of prospects too that are going to have a chance to make the team. Like Jason Dickinson's a guy that's been mm -hmm. – that team. And so I, I think they have a few – they have some young legs that Montgomery could take advantage of. I think they'll be a team that's hard to play against because he'll make sure that they're very pesky and they already have speed. I don't think they're going to be an easy team to play against, but I just don't know if they have enough. And and by enough, I mean on defense. Right. Right. Yeah. Now, Pete, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, uh, you know, your profession and as a, as somebody who has listened to games on the radio since I was a kid, you know, I was weaned on Ted Darling and Rick Jenneret in Buffalo you know, Joe Bowen has been broadcasting the Leafs since 1982, and he's this year's Foster Hewitt Award winner. Yes, uh, and well, well, des well deserved from Joe. Um, but you know, and and I I listened to Dan Kelly on KMOX when I could get in, and Chuck Caton when he was in Hartford, and then later in Carolina. And the the news about Chuck Caton in Carolina and the, what uh, the decision was made, basically to not offer him a, or you know not offer him an insulting contract, and now they're going to go the, the way of the simulcast with John Forslund doing radio and TV. I, you know, I really, I mean, one of the things that was really enriching in terms of me becoming a hockey fan was listening to radio broadcasts, and I still think there is a place for them, but. You know the what happened with 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 Chuck Caton, I think, is is detrimental to the fan base of the NHL. I'm obviously prejudiced, but I am in total agreement with you there. I have known Chuck since back in the '70s when I was when I was doing Notre Dame hockey and he was doing Michigan, and then later I went to work with Bob Miller in Los Angeles and to, took Bob Miller's place in Madison, Wisconsin. But Chuck Caton, the leagues. WHA and NHL merge in the summer of 1979. John Hewig and the Whalers are looking for an announcer, and they come up with young Chuckles Caton. They bring him to the Civic Center. They bring him to the mall. And he'd been with the franchise from that time in 1979 until just a few weeks ago. Uh, I 
I've been a, a simulcast hockey guy myself mm -hmm. here in Nashville, and I was on a much more limited basis in Los Angeles because we never did uh, in those days more than 25 games on the old KHJ TV at that point in time with Bob Miller. Just to, and uh, did you do that outdoor game in Vegas with the Kings? No, I was already gone. I was already back oh, in okay. Buffalo by that time. But okay. I, that was the game, I think, that proved everybody you can throw an outdoor game virtually anywhere yeah. as long as you don't mind frozen DC 10 size mosquitoes uh, <laughs> uh, alongside or up above the rink. Uh, I, I wish I had been part of that. But so that was, and, and so Chuck is not only is he a good friend and he's an outstanding broadcaster. There are people, I know he was, he was celebrated several weeks ago when they had a reunion of the Hartford Whalers back in Connecticut. Uh, he had a great time going back there. And I'm hoping, and he's hoping as well, he's not ready to retire. Uh, he's trying to hook on, and maybe even with the still-to-be-awarded Seattle franchise, where we have an, an ex-whaler out there who's involved as the advisor, Dave, Dave Tippett. Tippett. Yes. And Chuck has Chuck and Mary have a son, one of their sons lives in Seattle. So, uh, And besides, I think Chuck really likes Olympia beer uh, made from those fine... <laughs> Artesian wells. Uh, yeah, absolutely. They were my sponsors with the Seattle Sonics. Uh, so going back years and years there, but the idea that someone like Chuck Caton would be cast aside very nonchalantly uh, is totally reprehensible to me. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I think this is the part Pete that I, it doesn't show up until like the season starts I get it. You could look at, we all could look at a ledger and say, Hey, you could be drawing in more viewers and you could be bringing us more people and, and everything else, but they forget about the identity factor that you guys provide to the listener. And that's where I think they're going to be missing it by doing the simulcast on the radio, because I think that's where, you know, the people are going to tune in for hurricanes games. He's not going to, he's not going to be on the radio and, it's never going to be the same in that regard. And and I bet you they don't even listen at all now. Like, it'll just be, why bother? Well, if you're stuck in the car, perhaps. Right. Maybe, yeah. And, and right. Uh, th that's what happens. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a difficult transition, I think, for those fans. And really, it's hard to believe now that, you know, Chuck had been in Carolina since they moved there in 97. Yeah. That's a yeah. long spell yeah. of time, a very and, long spell. And and as as you said, you, you did simulcast TV and radio, and I know that you know I'm I, I've been exposed to Rick Jenneret doing it. You know he yeah. he does TV broadcasts on MSG, and he he simulcast on WGR in Buffalo, and he does essentially a radio play by play on TV, so it's sort of seamless. I mean, you know, John Forslund is a very good announcer, so he, but he's going to have to he's going to have to adjust to do sort of more of a radio play by play because somebody listening on the radio, if he's doing a TV play by play, you're you're going to lose like a lot of the descriptiveness, if that's a word, right? Uh, of, of the bra of uh, of the game, and it is exactly that. And let's just uh, cue up our Vin Scully tape about why he prefers and preferred, he's retired now, I finally have to admit, but he prefers radio to television because he says on radio, you have the blank canvas, you have a palette with all the colors, all the paints in it, and yeah. you choose what goes into that picture. Right. On television, you essentially are a captioning service. The yes. producer director are picking out what the viewer at home or in the sports bar is going to see, and then 
you have to uh, add to that, add some illumination to that. So I, I've talked with John Forslund about what that uh, is like coming up, but he did radio in the American League okay. uh, before he before he became to the came to the Hartford Whalers at that point. Yeah, he's one of those who uh, moved down the coastline to the Carolinas as well. So uh, yeah, that is difficult. That what we found. Language is the most critical part of that when you're doing the simulcast. You mm -hmm. don't say, as you see over here, right. you might say on the left wing, the yeah. defenseman, so on. And uh, you are oftentimes going to have to say, we are looking at a television replay right now on our monitor so people don't go absolutely crazy. It's kind of like a night when I was working for the Buffalo Bisons Baseball Club. Matter of fact, it was the night I was driving home for what turned out to be Pat LaFontaine's quadruple overtime conclusion against the uh, Capitals yes. that I would had the Yankee game on. They were out West and I don't think Phil Esposito was proper or Phil Esposito. <laughs> the scooter Phil Rizzuto was properly uh, told that he had moved to the radio booth from the television side. Mm -hmm. And what I heard driving home that night was, all right, here's the pitch. Uh oh, uh oh, oh, white. He's going to be out. <laughs> what just happened and uh, so far oh yes this is radio so we i will say this what you do lose too is the um the connection and you kind of turn it on it's something familiar and because again there are a lot of times you get stuck on a car trip and, yeah. and to me that's my best friend and, and that's why you know a lot of people <laughs> That's why a lot of people listen to my XM show because a lot of scouts listen to it, a lot of GMs because they're traveling a lot and they're on the go, and and that and it's a pretty big deal. I still think it's a big deal even down there, and and I just you know I hate when things get financial about that because look, if you're going to own a team, there's going to be some things you're going to lose money on. It's just the way it is. Right. But I think there there's just something where the fans now starting that season for for Hurricanes fans like they've lost their voice that way they've lost some of the players that they identified with the team yes. it's going to be a tough year for them to just sort of pick up the team right out of the gate i think yes it is and insofar as the losing money is concerned i do know a team in the central division not nashville but a team in the central division that billed over 1.2 million dollars on the radio side of their broadcast business last year yeah. i think if they got half of that chuck would be happily compensated that they would continue with their radio and yeah. ironic, ironically a couple of weeks after the dundon and and the hurricanes did what they did with with chuck hayton the maple leafs signed joe bowen yes. and jim ralph to a five-year extension and you know joe basically said you know, I don't know if I'm going to finish out the five years, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy, I'm going to enjoy it. And I'm hoping that in the, in that five years, the Leafs win a Stanley cup. Remember he's been broadcasting since 1982. He's seen a lot of bad hockey. Yes. Has he ever? And he and I will be celebrating Notre Dame's home opener against <laughs> Michigan together in South Bend on Saturday, September 1st. Yeah, but he's a green Bay Packers fan. So we can't like him that much. He's a part owner. <laughs> he's, he's, he's got a share. One, one, th one thing I, 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 one thing I loved, and you, you, I'm sure aware of this. You know, Ted Darling was one of my favorite announcers as a kid, and I, I love the, the sort of the colorful, colorful, 
the colorful nature of sort of the old time broadcaster. When a puck was shot over the glass, he would yes, say, yes. yes, that was caught by a fan in Fort Erie, Ontario. And I, as a, like an eight year old thought, how the hell does he know if it's a guy from Fort Erie, Ontario? <laughs> yeah. I would do that here with a fan from Bell Buckle, Tennessee. And <laughs> people would come up and they would ask Terry Crisp, how does he know? And Terry would say, we have a seating chart and we know where all the season ticket holders are and their hometowns. So that's what Pete's referring to. Oh, that's hilarious. I will say you said something too, Pete, that I always try and tell people um, from the scouting perspective, if you're watching stuff on television, you are, are seeing what the producer wants you to see. And that's right. the thing that I always tell people, like that's why you should go see hockey live as much as you can, especially if you write about it, because again, stuff that happens behind the play, all these other things, you're not seeing all that. No. Now, we're helped greatly now by the 16 by 9 yeah. aspect ratio, but you still don't see everything. And let's go back to Joe Bowen's story. Two years ago, when Lou Lamorello took him, him and Ralphie off the team charter, they were all set up to do the season yes. on the road at home in front of a monitor. And yeah. thankfully, that did not transpire because they wouldn't have been able to see it. Joe, and knowing Joe as well as I do, he would not have been able to feel the game. Right. Right. No, yeah, that's a big deal. All right, we have some questions from the chat room. This is a good one, and we'll let Pete go with this one first because it, this comes from uh, Fash Out. He says, are power play points as impressive as even strength points? Huh. Uh, I'm going to say no. I like the even. I want to go with the guy who uh, his productivity is more heavily slanted uh, toward the five on five, mm -hmm. or if we on occasion when we have the uh, coincidentals and the four on four. Yeah, I, I think. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I think a player who scores on at a even strength is more valuable than a power play guy. I think I can only use use the Leafs as an example. Austin mm -hmm. Matthews is a fiend five on five and mm -hmm. plays on the second power play. And I'm not taking anything away from James Van Riemsdyk or Tyler Bozak, who are on the Leafs' first power play, and it was one of the top power plays in the league. But you know, Van Riemsdyk scored a sizable portion of his goals on the power play. Doesn't make him any less valuable. The goals still count, but to score five on five is is much tougher, especially the way teams play now in the NHL. I dare say oh. that in agents when they go in and and they're representing their players, that the five on five has a greater value when yeah. talking about contracts. Because all of us would want a Tim Kerr or a Dave Andrichuk in yep. their prime tallying on the power play. But, yeah, I just think the even strength is far more impressive. Uh, Funky asks, where where do you guys think Eric Carlson would be traded to? Pete, you said already it wouldn't shock you if he went to the Central, right? Yeah, uh, and I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking Dallas is trying to stay involved in that. Well, they've got, I mean, they've got one, they've got one advantage in terms of, Carlson wanting to go to Dallas, and that's Mark Mathot, who's one of his yes. best friends and his former defense partner. Right. So, but the thing is, it's like I think right now, and we talked, we talked with Ak and Kevin about this a couple of days ago, that we think that sort of the Rubicon has been passed here when it comes to a team, Ottawa getting a you know a package more conducive to Carlson's full value. It's now a rental deal. I don't think yeah. he's signing anywhere. So. Ottawa, without that first-round pick, they may want to keep him until the deadline simply because it will make their record better and make that pick less valuable. And at uh, least they no longer have the Hoffman family there to be contended with. So. Is Joe <laughs> Bowen from Sudbury? Do we have to mention Sudbury Joe yet? Bowen is from Sudbury. Yes, he is. There we yes. go. Cousin Eddie is going to have a show, Pete. <laughs> 
Well, I, I was already, I spent this last week uh, in St. Mary's, Ontario, uh, at Terry Crisp's home there. And uh, his brother lives in Sudbury. So uh, we spent a lot of time talking about the Wolves and talking about Joe Bowen's youngest son, who, if he doesn't go to Laurentian, may end up uh, being the goaltender for the Wolves this year. Yeah. Yes, and Mike Mike Felino's former uh, former right. Sudbury Wolf, and I think uh, I think actually he's a coach in Sudbury too. Yes. Go so ahead, Russ. Matt Everly asks Russ, even though Chevy, meaning Chevy Dayoff, has been grilled for years for being conservative type GM, do you think his patience slash slow and steady process has been a fruitful avenue for this franchise? Absolutely. Yeah. You can look at all the beasts that were playing in the playoffs for them last year, and the greater percentage of them were guys that were drafted. Right, and we and I think there's a similar story there too. Now it seems to be developing anyway with one Joe Sackick in Denver. Yes, he was getting constantly harped at, and then he pulled off that three corner deal, and I think the Avs came out very well in it. Yeah, and we talked about their defense. You know, they 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 have uh, they have Connor Timmins, they have Makar, who not who haven't even factored into their yeah. defensive scheme right now. So a t- an area that was it was a big weakness for them. One of their you know one of their main the chinks in their armor now is could be a strength in a year or two. All right, right. last question. This one comes from Scott Murdoch. He's asking me, but we're going to ask it to everybody. McKinnon versus Matthews. You know, right now where they are in their careers, I would take McKinnon because I actually had McKinnon as as the heart guy last year. And I think Matthews will eventually pass him. But right now I still would go with McKinnon this year. Yeah, I'm going to go with that same current rating. Uh, that, uh, of course, now I have the opportunity and the uh, the heart-stopping uh, assignment to watch him in the first round of the playoffs, McKinnon. He was just yeah. incredible. He was. Yeah, I would rank right now, and this is based solely on the fact that Matthews was injured three separate times last year. He still scored thirty-five, close to thirty-five goals, and in sixty games. So, but so I, the, I'm concerned about the durability, and I, I don't think it's going to be a problem for him. But you never know. McKinnon is an all-world talent, and I'd put him a little ahead of Matthews, but I think it's just because he's older and more experienced and a very talented player. But I think eventually Matthews will be a better player than him. And the last thing I'll answer, because it's there, Matt asked, do I think Hextall could potentially be on the same path as Ron Francis? No, I, I don't think I, – I think that was an unusual situation where an owner just got, you know – tired of the way things were going and wanted to change things drastically. I don't think the Flyers want to change anything Ron Hextall's doing. I would doubt that myself, yes. Yeah, no, that there is no situation uh, that is parallel to the Carolina situation for a number for a number of reasons. Okay, great show, guys. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. Thank you, Pete Weber. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, You're most welcome. For Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.